episode Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League, presented by ChangeUp. I'm Owen Shadrick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Johnny Maffey. And as always, Johnny Maffey has our countdown for days till the Futures League season begins. We are Danny Amendola, 80 days away from Futures League opening day on May 26th. Thanks for everyone for tuning in, whether you're watching or listening. We had a great episode today with Randy, a great Nice long interview after a, a shorty last week. You guys got away with a short one. Yeah, we had Randy Brochu, the broadcaster for the Norwich Sea Unicorns. It was great to talk to him about not only his summer in Norwich, but his extensive resume when it comes to broadcasting games and coaching games and being an educator. And it was just great to talk to him about all of his perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely set off there. Um, what do you call it? Media. He, he was the head of communications basically for, for Norwich. He set them off on the right foot in the futures league. He talked, you know, we talked a lot about some similarities, of course, as we always do with people that have seen both sides of those teams, whether it's Vermont, whether it's Norwich, whether it's new Britain, um, all these teams that have seen the minors or the pro balls and now the summer collegiate model that we talk about and have a lot of success in. So that was fun. And we had some fun with him just, you know, talking about everything, state of the game. Um, of course, he brings a unique perspective to that. He's been doing this for so long. But state of the college game, you know, there are two different states of baseball right now. There's the top, which is not playing. They're in a conference room. And there is – college is not the bottom. College is at the top right now. They've taken over. And uh, who's who's shining right now for, for Futures League alum? Well, the Futures League alum are certainly going bananas right now. And one of them, or two of them in particular, play for the University of Virginia. Ethan Anderson got his first collegiate home run the other day, added a double and three RBIs to that as well. So congratulations to Ethan on that. And Jake Geloff is putting barrel to the ball. He had a cycle on Sunday. He looks very, very good for Virginia. And uh, it's been great to see. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, props to Geloff for that. That's awesome. Virginia is on a tear, obviously. Um, Matt Shaw, player of the week, Big Ten, excuse me, player of the week. He's on uh, the Maryland Terps. And, you know, Dennis Colloran, we have a bunch of guys on Northeastern, a bunch of alum there. Dennis Colloran was a rookie last year for us, rookie this year, freshman at Northeastern. He is rocking a 1.69 ERA in a couple appearances right now. So local guys are doing well. The national guys are doing well. And um, it's just fun to watch. You know, the Wheaton boys we had on last week had their opening day over the weekend. We're recording this before then. So, you know, I'm sure they did great. Um, You know, I I had the opening day. It's it's fun. It's, It's winter baseball right now, but I couldn't ask for anything more. It is great to have baseball back. And once again, 80 days till Futures League Baseball comes back. But till then, we've got some great interviews coming up down the line. And we want to start with this one with Randy Brochu. So we're going to get you to this interview with Randy Brochu. 6,900,012 seconds until opening day. Let's roll. At this time, we are honored to be joined by our next guest. He is the head broadcaster for the Norwich Sea Unicorns and can also be seen broadcasting for the Sacred Heart, Pioneers, and Yukon Huskies. It's Randy Brochu. Randy, it's good to see you again, man. And welcome back or welcome to Back to the Futures. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. And um, yeah, we're 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 winding on down the winter and getting ready for spring here. It's around the corner, I swear. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it, but it is almost there. And we want to start by asking, since the summer ended, what have you been up to in general? You know, I've been fortunate enough to get a lot of work 
um, covering a, a, a number of different schools, including UConn and Sacred Heart University, where I've been for 14 years. So Sacred Heart's really near and dear to me. I've, I've been a broadcaster there uh, since the, the 2008, 2009 season. And it's, it, I'm blessed, man. You know, like one day I'm going down to Bridgeport Fairfield to do, uh, you know, college basketball game. The next day I'm going to Hartford, you know, to do UConn hockey, which has been a, a blast this year. The ice bus is rolling bit of a tough weekend last weekend, but they're in good shape going into this weekend for two against UVM and, um, or, or I'm going up to stores. I, I, I kind of stepped out of my comfort zone and did some soccer and some field hockey this year. And, uh, that took some serious preparation, but it was, uh, it, I think it's great to diversify and, and, and great to be introduced to, you know, the, the, the very diverse world of college athletics. So very fortunate and, and grateful to UConn and Sacred Heart for some great opportunities and Providence college. I've been filling in at, at Providence here and there for some volleyball um, I actually did a number of volleyball games for UConn as well this year. And the Huskies had a great year in women's volleyball as well. So, um, uh, filled in here and there on hockey and lacrosse for Providence and just bouncing around the Northeast doing college athletics. All right. You mentioned preparation. Let's talk about that for a sec, but I'm kind of going to start it with, for those who don't know, was there an all-time crossover when SHU and UConn played game one back in October? Yep. Yeah, you got me. That was that was uh, worlds colliding. And, you know, Sacred Heart hockey in particular holds a very special place to me because they really gave me um, one of my first breaks. And CJ Maritolo, who's the head coach there, is a dear friend. He's not just a, you know, a coach I cover. He's he's somebody who I have a lot of love and respect for. So uh, but at the same time, you know, I take a lot of pride in in now being the the TV and, and video voice, I guess, of UConn hockey and and being a part of the excitement of that program, which for me growing up in New Britain, Connecticut and a, a diehard Hartford Whalers fan, it was the XL center where I fell in love with the sport of hockey in the stands as a Whalers fan and went to the last Whalers game and countless growing up as a kid. So it is such a thrill for me every time I go into that building to work and every time UConn scores and brass bonanza plays and the horn sounds, I'm kind of brought back to, early childhood memories of falling in love with the sport of hockey and where they positioned me uh, to call the games uh, at the XL centers kind of in the stands on the concourse. So it's the one place where I call games where I'm kind of like in the stands and there could be no better place to do it because that's the building where in the stands, I, I, I really grew the love for the sport of hockey and, and first kind of started thinking about wanting to work in hockey and announce these games. And now I am. So it's kind of a full circle thing. And, yeah, for, on opening day when it was Sacred Heart and UConn, that was definitely strange. Um, but glad to see Sacred Heart has made a good good push at the end, and um, and and both teams that I cover that I, I you know really support and care about are, are both playing pretty good hockey right now. So, in the end, that's what matters. Absolutely, um, great brass bonanza reference there for those who <laughs> who are paying attention in the back, keeping score at home. Um, the in the stands is kind of like the most comfortable place to call a game like totally. you're, not, you're not nervous in a press like not that you get nervous but you're not nervous in a press but you're kind of just like oh hey i've i've watched a game here before yeah and you know like i honestly feel like i pick up the vibe of the fans better because they're literally right in front of me high-fiving and passing 
beverages to one another. <laughs> you know, like you are in the environment when you're at the XL Center there, the old mall, as we used to call it. So um, I definitely like feel very comfortable calling a game from the stands. All right, so baseball's your first love. You were saying hockey's a close, close second, maybe 1A, 1B there. But field hockey, volleyball, you're versatile, you're Brock Holt. How are you preparing for all this stuff? How, what goes into something like, not a new sport for you, but something that you don't call a lot? Well, for field hockey, you know, I, I worked full-time at Sacred Heart University for 10 years. And luckily I have, I made a lot of great friends that are assistant coaches and Sacred Heart has 34 sports. So I can always call somebody who is an expert on a sport. The head, actually the head field hockey coach at Wagner College is a, a dear friend, Nikki Miller. She was a great player at UMass, actually. She was a star for UMass field hockey, which is a great program. She sent me like a glossary of terms and just talked to me on the phone. I could call at any point being like, hey, uh, what's the, the correct way to, um, you know, called this certain play or, or, you know, just getting really when it's a sport I'm unfamiliar with, I, I think it's important to talk the talk of the fan and the, and the people that really appreciate it uh, and understand it. But at the end of the day, I think any game you do is about bringing the game to life and telling the story of the participants, the backstories, the, the biographies, the, the story of how the student athletes and the coaches got there. Um, I've always been someone, and, and I understand how important analytics are in, in finding trends and, and looking for competitive advantages. And they're certainly a part of the broadcast world now too, and something to implement, but I find them, you know, more a, a compliment to what the, the real story is, which is just the human element of the participants. And at the end of the day, whether it's field hockey, football, hockey, baseball, a sport I know very well, or a sport I you know, need to work on a little bit more. It's all about telling the stories, telling good, compelling stories and caring uh, because whoever's inviting you into their home or their car to deliver the game really cares about that game. So I've just always felt that as long as you show an, an, a genuine enthusiasm for the game, the audience that is inviting you in is going to appreciate that. Yeah, and you talk about genuine enthusiasm. You brought that every day this summer when you were the broadcaster for the Norwich Sea Unicorns. And you've been with them since they were the Connecticut Tigers in 2014 all the way up till now. How did you get your start with the originally the Connecticut Tigers and now the Sea Unicorns? Uh, well, Dodd Stadium and that organization means a lot to me personally. Those are some of my greatest memories working in sports. And so, you know, I'm not returning in a full-time role with them now. I have a, a new full-time job and I'm glad that, you know, I don't know, uh, somebody, some young broadcaster is going to get a great opportunity this year. And, and you know, Lee Walter and, and, and Heather, they're, 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 they're friends. And I love that organization. I plan to be there as a fan and maybe jump on the air when they'll have me here and there. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think that is a place where a young broadcaster, because I think the Futures League is about future broadcasters as well going to get a great opportunity uh, to work with some really good people at a uh, historic and beautiful ballpark. And um, to tell you the, the full story, actually, it was my first gig out of college when I graduated from BU in 2003. Um, I, I got a broadcast internship with the Norwich Navigators, 
2004, the magical summer of 2004 for this Red Sox fan who got his first job in minor league baseball covering the double-A affiliate of the San Francisco Giants making very little money, working lots of hours. Uh, I did. I got three innings of play-by-play on home games, and then we actually engineered the radio broadcasts from the broadcast booth at Dodd Stadium. So it's a Saturday night. I'm a year out of college. There's nobody in the ballpark, and I'm sitting there alone in the press box pressing the buttons to make um, my broadcast partner and the director of broadcasting, then Sean Holiday go over there by the way great pipes and a great broadcaster and um it but what an experience what friendships i made I, again got the chance to call three innings of play by play in the eastern league where matt kane was our star pitcher at the time and and oh my goodness a number of of big david wright came through that summer with binghamton and hanley ramirez with portland and uh so many rajay davis who's a local connecticut guy and uh, was coming up with the Altoona curve, ended up having a really good major league career. So many, uh, you know, household names came through that summer. And with that tape, uh, because we we used to record our broadcasts on tapes and mini discs and things that are kind of beyond what uh, the, the very intricate media that, that you guys are using covering the Futures League now, which is it's, it, you guys do such a great job uh, implementing multi- multimedia. Uh, but with that tape, I got a job a couple of years later with uh, the Yakima Bears of the Northwest League. So I went out west uh, and had a wonderful experience. That was my first time being a number one. I was the director of broadcasting there for two summers. Short A affiliate of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Again, saw a number of great players. Saw the, uh, the most beautiful part of the country, I think, the Pacific Northwest, in the best way possible, on a bus with a minor league baseball team traveling around Vancouver, British Columbia, and uh, Boise, Idaho, and all through the states of Washington and Oregon. Um, and, you know, coming back home to Connecticut, where I'm from in New Britain, uh, I got the full-time job with Sacred Heart. I did Sacred Heart play-by-play baseball. Uh, we The NEC baseball tournament was often at Dodd Stadium, and I connected with the folks who were then transitioning to the Connecticut Tigers. And I guess they liked what they heard in the, the press box. And I kind of said, well, I'd love to just jump on, you know, be a second voice for you. And for four summers, I basically was the second voice to whoever was that director of broadcasting that year. Made a great couple of friendships with uh, Sam Dostler and Chris Jones, Chris Jones, who I work with at UConn, who kind of brought me uh, to stores and uh, who does a great job covering UConn baseball. And, and that's how that happened. When the Norwich uh, Sea Unicorns then transitioned from professional baseball as one of the more than 40 that were cut by minor league baseball, which is probably a, a topic for another day, but they transitioned into the FCBL and Dave Skirmerhorn, who again is a good friend who I worked with at the Connecticut Tigers said, any chance you want to come, you know, lead our communications this year. And I was in a position where I was at a, a job I was looking to move on to. I said, you're calling at the right time, man. And I jumped right in and, and, and last summer was just, it had been a while since I did a, a full baseball season. And I'm really proud that I got to say that I was on the first uh, broadcast team for, uh, for the, the Norwich Sea Unicorns in the FCBL, which proved to be a great experience. I think, you know, we all saw a lot of great baseball last summer. Um, the, the college brand of baseball is exciting. There's a genuine enthusiasm and youthful innocence to it. And it's a lot of fun to cover. So 
Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what the, the sea unicorns do in the years to come, being there as a supporter, whether it's to jump on the air here or there, or sit in the stands and enjoy Dodd Stadium because that, that's a that's a wonderful place to see a ball game. And have that Ben and Jerry smell lingering everywhere. <laughs> Always. <laughs> and a lot of that this summer. Definitely. Uh the so a lot of people that we have on that have seen both sides, or even if we're just, you know, shooting the breeze at the field with someone that have seen you know, the minors and now this this college summer format that's new to some of the teams. They say how similar the competition can be. They say it's a great product. What did you, I guess, notice about, you know, we can talk about some of the players in a sec, but, you know, we got to showcase the league on Ness and you got to call one of the games. What, what were some of the, like, the fun parts that you're like, oh, hey, like, this is pretty cool too? Well, I mean, first of all, the home run derby to settle a tie is awesome. That is so much better than sticking a runner at second base in a major league baseball game and to, to decide, you know, a potential postseason. which I think to purest baseball fans, you can see, I like, it was just like, it offended me every time I saw that in a summer collegiate league and setting where you do need to protect arms and, and you need to find a fun way to decide a game. That was when, when Bobby McBride, the pitcher of the Norwich Sea Unicorns from the Yukon Huskies, won on a final swing twice down to their final swing. A home brother, that is that is something I can honestly say. In I don't know if I've called thousands of games at this point now, or how many games I, I have called at every in baseball, certainly every sport. Never seen anything like that. That was one of those wow, like. Definitely went to the ballpark, not expecting to see that and saw something I never saw tonight. Really cool. I had um, to vet that tweet. I was like, who? who? <laughs> yeah, I, Bobby I was McBride. Roster, I looked up his college roster. I was like, wait, <laughs> what's going on here? Dude could swing it. He could swing it. But I, you know, I was, I, I, had, I had covered Sacred Heart University. I worked for one of the best college coaches, Nick Giaquino, who played in the NFL as a, a punt returner for Washington and has a great story. I mean, he went, he's, he's a UConn graduate. I believe he still holds the all time single game rushing record for UConn football, but baseball was a real love. And when he retired, uh, won a super bowl with Washington, when he retired, he, uh, he retired early. I think he recognized long before um, it was kind of, you know, a little more out there how, you know, what it told, especially, uh, being a running back or a punt returner takes on you. He got out of the game and reinvented himself as a baseball coach, went to Sacred Heart as kind of a, a local, you know, celebrity and um, said, I want to coach a baseball team. I, I think you need a coach. Coach Dave Bike hired him. 26 years later, he won four NEC championships and was just the coolest cat. I mean, there's a guy that played harmonica and local bands, played in the NFL, but was just your everyday guy who really believed in the mental preparation of the game and being relaxed and, and, and like taking every curveball as he called them, every, every bit of adversity and turning it into an advantage. And Sacred Heart didn't even have like a home baseball field to play on when they were winning championships. Um, but I learned so much from him. He's a great friend and he always kept his team so loose and so fun. And part of their warm up routine was a choreographed dance on the field. That's college baseball. That's just like unabashed fun. The way the game is supposed to be played, not buttoned up uh, and, and put, I, not to say that there's, you know, I, I do respect the, 
the old school baseball mentality of put your head down and don't showboat on a home run to a point. But I mean, I think we're in a place now where we can all agree, but we're not going to have an opening day of major league baseball. There's a problem with the game of baseball on a professional level. It needs to be more fun and college leagues like the FCBL and college baseball in general are how the game I think should be played because it appeals to young fellas like yourself, to kids younger than you, to the next generation of baseball fans. And it's time that baseball is more fun. And an FCBL and college baseball leagues, like uh, we're fortunate enough to cover, I think exemplify that perfectly. Yeah, got to make baseball more fun. And you would think that in order to grow the game that they would be playing on March 31st, but I guess not. You want to talk about a good way to kill kill your product? Don't have a product. You know, I mean, it, it, it does break my baseball heart to see less kids playing. And, you know, I, I again, I, there's a certain romance about the game of baseball, um, the history of it, the camaraderie of it, the green grass on a spring day and the, the, the warm summer nights and, you know, the crisp fall, it, everything about it. Like, there is just something that uh, is kind of magical about the game of baseball. And the naysayers will say it's too slow and there's not enough action. But, you know, that's the beauty of it, I I think, is that baseball is always there. It's every day. It's the great constant from spring to fall. Takes you through, you know, our brightest days. And for it not to be there at the major league level, and now in 40 towns that used to have minor league baseball that you know those those folks might not be able to ever get to a major league game because they're just too far of a drive uh it is it's not good (laughs) you know it's it and and i understand why the players are digging in here i mean this is 30 owners that are looking to milk every last dollar out of you and me and them and you know i i I support the players to tell you the truth in, in, in this particular labor dispute. Um, but it is a real shame that at a time when baseball is losing popularity, that you're just not getting the product out there. Cause it's a great product um, and it can be fun. And, you know, the, the wrong people are steering it in the wrong direction. Yeah. Great initial reaction here as we're record. This is coming out on the Monday. Of course, we're recording this the day after the MLB announced their can or MLB, excuse me, announced they're canceling the first two series. You know, it's funny you say like it's they're not just not on the field, like it's just not good press. Like Alex, Alex Wood tweeted last night, you know, with his whatever the 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 avatar they get the gray, you know, bland avatar they have on the website and his profile picture. He tweeted, uh, for what it's worth, MLB has pumped to the media last night and today that there's momentum toward a deal now saying the player's tone has changed. So if a deal isn't done today, it's our full hour, meaning the players, that isn't a coincidence. You know, it's not because they're like the players aren't the players want to play and make some money and the owners are, you know, working on the good press and probably knew a deal would never get done. And it seems like they're fighting over a hundred or $200 million, which isn't a lot to some of those guys, <laughs> but I know that's kind of stupid. Sounds stupid, but um, yeah, whatever. Whatever the number is, only thirty-one percent or something make a million dollars in the league. Well, um, and, and and the other thing is that you know the players are trying to, and and, and I can't pretend to you know be a, a labor expert, but I know that one thing they want to combat is tanking it at the end of the year and not spending the payroll that um, 
certain teams and organizations that never spend can spend but choose right. not to mm-hmm. um at the same time they're looking for public funding for their ballparks and yes and every break they can get uh, so i i support you know integrity in the game and and, and playing to win the game no matter what uh, i understand that there are real rebuild years and organizations have to go into rebuild mode but perpetual rebuilding is 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 a crock <laughs> it's you're not rebuilding if you're always rebuilding you're right, just exactly. cheap it's uh and it's funny like it kind of crosses over to the nfl a little too because they are having some tanking issues obviously and they're also they also brought up the whole public funding thing uh for the stadiums and such and it's funny we could see a lot of things change you know maybe for the better for the general public and the fan um hopefully i don't know um but back to the fun part so we said before we hit recording baseball romance is your beat you can talk about it better than anyone else so we're gonna hit you with a tough question here if alien comes down to earth why are you why is baseball romantic if an alien comes down to earth and i have to explain to the alien why baseball is romantic yep because it's and and it's ironic i'm saying this right now but it's there every day you can rely on it it is a grind when you work in it but man when you work an everyday job and you're out at five and you know that the ball game is on on wednesday night june 16th when you can rely on it every day as a companion and isn't that romance right like you know when you can really you know that's it's it is it is my my true love the game of baseball because it's always there for you and will it hurt you mm-hmm. the game of baseball breaks your heart but man when it lifts you up those moments are are i i think like no other sport and and there is something about also um just the season that it it guides you out of winter and and, and the darkest days and into perpetually getting lighter and better and brighter uh, right into you know those dog days of summer when again it, you can rely on it and, and and you're enjoying summertime whether you're listening to joe castiglione like me on, on on the beach somewhere on the east coast or you're driving in your car coming back from a great night out with your friends or um, you're just bored and have nothing to do you can flip any ball game on um, you know, as far as major league baseball, but then when you go to, you know, a league like ours, any one of the, the, the games, and certainly I experienced this at Dodd stadium last year with the stream team uh, that I got to, uh, to lead. We put together a, a really great group of, of guys, my, my boy ML and uh, fast thumbs, Drew Mals, who did our social media and Hunter Broadbent, Jack Blake, who ended up playing for the C unicorns because he still had eligibility at the end of the season. Uh, like we had, you know, like the camaraderie, I think that that baseball allows for because of all the downtime, because of all the just sitting around and shooting the breeze. Um, th- there's there are there is something about the the friendships that are formed within the game of baseball. I think that is even more special and, and team sports, wh- wh- whatever you play, great teams have that connection. But there's something about the game of baseball and the everyday nature of it and the slow leisurely pace that I think lends to 
closer relationships. And I, th I think that's one of the things that really appeals to me about the game. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself there. And there were some romantical performances on the Norwich Unicorns this summer with Kalen Culpepper, Trey Cobb, Hunter Jaworski. They all had great summers among other Sea Unicorns. Obviously, this team came together late this past summer. But what were your favorite parts about watching the talent that developed in this league? The three guys you mentioned were, you know, obviously stood out. Hunter Jaworski is one who, you know, in particular, because Kalen Culpepper, he's with Kansas State. That's a big program. You can tell this young man is a real talent. Nice kid, too, by the way. Um, and, and, and one of the, you know, I didn't, we do a million interviews during the summer, right? You don't really think always, it's just like, let's get the content. So I had to, <clears throat> I got an interview with, with Kalen one day for the video board or something. And I'm just, you know, it's, it's another task for me, right? During the day to get ready. And he got done and it like, it struck me. You forget sometimes he's like, well, well how was that? That, you know, he, he was so innocent and he's like, that's the first time I've ever been interviewed. And I'm like, I said, get ready because you're a heck of a ball player and you're going to be doing a lot of these in the years to come. But wow, like you never, you know, you just, you just forget sometimes like what this means to an 18 year old kid who's probably away from home, but is, you know, an incredible talent. Um, it comes from Memphis, Tennessee. And, and to see this kid play at the level he did was a joy. I mean, he played it fun. He played an exciting brand of baseball. That's the kind of brand of baseball I'm talking about. Stealing bags, hitting gaps, uh, taking chances, making diving plays. Like he played the game uh, in, in, in an exciting way. And then you got a kid like Hunter Jaworski, who's a local guy, uh, plays for Mitchell College. You don't really think of Mitchell College, right? When it doesn't jump off the, you know, jump to mind when you think of big time college programs, but locally, they are a program that's really growing. And he's a kid from Eastern Connecticut who got, who grew up going to Dodd stadium and he had a heck of a summer and it was just fun watching him, you know, a, a player for a, a Mitchell college play alongside this, this very talented young man who's going to Kansas state and for them to come together and blend and, and play an exciting brand of baseball, but you know, with, with, with different talent levels and, um, different styles but the same love of the game that was that that was I think what stood out to me the most yeah it was certainly a great summer watching all those guys play and it was another great summer for us traveling to various stadiums and you're no stranger to one FCBL stadium in particular New Britain Stadium as you worked <laughs> for the Rock Cats in a previous life what was it like for working for that organization and working at New Britain Stadium well now you're, now you're hitting me in the fields because I played high school baseball at Beehive Field right next door and coached high school baseball in my hometown. There is, you want to talk about romance for the game of baseball. I love the Red Sox. I love the Sea Unicorns. I, I, I love UConn baseball and, and Sacred Heart baseball. But there is no baseball I love more than New Britain high school baseball, my alma mater where I made my best friends and got to coach um, and, and actually during the pandemic was able to, to coach the summer and head coach the fall team. It was one of the few things we could do. And, and again, it's that full circle and, and, and true love of baseball where those were dark times for everybody, but somehow baseball, that that's one of those plays we ended up losing in the semifinals. Uh, so, you know, talk about the, the, the game breaking your heart. 
but the joy I had coaching those kids, especially during the pandemic is why baseball is great and, and, and why you love the game so much. So Willowbrook Park, where Beehive is right next to New Britain Stadium, the home of the old home of the New Britain Rockcats, and um, now the New Britain Bees, which put on a world class all star uh, all star event. I thought um, it, it was awesome because like I played some meaningful high school games on that field. I have so many memories of being a, a high school kid and a teenager getting out with your friends and going to the ball game. And, and my high school is actually right above center field, my alma mater, uh, looking down on the field and, and, and that whole complex. And then the football field is right next door. So yeah, that's, that's, that's where, you know, if the XL center is where I fell in love with hockey, that's where I fell in love certainly with the game of baseball, going back to being a little eager and watching new Britain, Red Sox baseball at beehive before new Britain stadium was even built watching Mo Vaughn, um, and I was a little too young for Roger Clemens, but Roger Clemens pitched there. John Valentin, who uh, is uh, you know a longtime shortstop of the Red Sox, and Jeff Bagwell. Um, so many names, so many memories from Beehive Field and New Britain Stadium. So um, it was really cool to go watch the All Star Game there this year and enjoy it. And it's always great to go back to New Britain Stadium, where um, I, I, I think that's. Those are my roots for the love of the game, for sure. Yeah, there's nothing like, you know, getting out on a Friday in high school and having a practice or hopping on a bus to a game. But what is, uh, what's Randy the coach like? Is he, is he like pen in the cap, stopwatch in the back pocket, high socks, low coaching third, yapping away, yelling? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I went high socks uh, this past year. We did have to be in uniform and I didn't hate it. I did not hate putting the uniform on again. Um, I, I am, you know, I, 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 I want to lift the kids up, you know, like, and I, you know, I, I played for some hardos and, and I don't think that really goes anywhere with kids anymore. What I really like, I, I use, you know, part of, I hope my broadcast skill set because I really find as an educator and, you know, I, I teach a college class at post-university, the history of sports broadcasting. I've, I've worked in a public school setting for many years in a, in a past career. Um, so, you know, I, I do consider myself an educator as well. And, you know, in, in, in teaching the game of baseball and, and, and working with kids, they want to know why. I think that's something that's very interesting about this generation's high school kids and college kids. To tell them to just, like, when I played, do what we say because your coach says to do it. And don't ask questions, just do it and execute and do your job. There's a certain, you know, there's certain validity to that. But kids now want to know why. They want you to explain the ins and the outs. They want to fully understand what you're teaching them. And I think that's great. As a broadcaster, of course, you're trying to really break down the game and explain situations and think about uh, many different scenarios and how they can play out. So, you know, I, th I think I'm able, I think as a coach, I was able to use a broadcast skill set. but then it, it, it's just, you know, bringing a lot of energy. You know, all I demand is that you have fun and that you hustle and, and, and you be a good teammate. That's, and, and I think the rest takes care of itself. I, I, I firmly believe that in order to win and we won, we, 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 we went 21 and three that fall. Um, losing to only one team three times. Not that I'm still hung up on that. 
uh, <laughs> heartbreakers each three times. But um, I believe that we won because we had fun, because we came to the ballpark every day loose. Everybody got along. Um, and if you have fun, you're going to want to work hard. You're going to automatically get better because you're having fun and working hard. And the third goal is to win. Um, but I think you have to do the first two things first. You have to have fun and work hard first before you can win. But winning's a product of the two. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. And that's obviously what you got to teach those kids in high school and at the younger levels. Before we return to our interview with Randy Brochu, we want to share a message from our friends at 78 Sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England. Not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and hitting net or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. The team at 78 Sports has designed and installed hundreds of home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you plan the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. For a limited time, just by mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to Randy. And transitioning here from all of that to more about it, more your resume, which is just a ridiculous resume. For Sacred Heart, you're the lead play-by-play -play -play announcer for hockey and baseball. You fill in for basketball and football. You mentioned that you sometimes fill in for field hockey and soccer and lacrosse. How's that day planner looking? That's got to be chock full. Well, I think you know, I th I think they they might not have updated my. Maybe I need to update my uh, LinkedIn or, or. I mean, I've I've been the full on Sacred Heart uh, basketball and football announcer now for uh, several years. I started as a fill in and. I mean, I think, gosh, I've been must have five, six years now. Listen, man, spreadsheets, you know, spreadsheets. But I just, I, I'm, I'm, Sacred Heart has a tremendous communications program. I got my master's from Sacred Heart, helping kind of build um, the 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 format, which is you go and you get credits for being on a production team. You learn how to do replay and graphics, obviously camera, but technical directing, directing. We put on very professional broadcasts with teams of about 12, 15 people who are in the sports communication um, master's program at Sacred Heart for NEC Front Row and a number of them on SNY now. We're getting great exposure with, with a deal on SNY. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's sometimes you have to choose between two and it's a tough call. You know, usually I choose what games are on TV. We, you know, with UConn, we have a number of games on CW20 in Connecticut and occasional games on Nesson as part of the Hockey East deal with Sacred Heart. You know, sometimes we're going to be on SNY. Um, so obviously I, I kind of, you know, if I have to choose, I choose the, the, the TV game. Of course, you have to make a business decision. Um, but the, the cool thing is I'm in, you know, I'm in New Britain and I'm in about a 50 minute drive from Sacred Heart, about a 40 minute drive from stores. I just love, I love the ride. I get the tunes going, you know, and, 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 and just cruise to stores or cruise to Fairfield. And every day I'm excited to drive onto both campuses, whatever campus it is. And occasionally when I have to take the hour and a half ride to Providence, great. Nice little cruise through uh, beautiful Rhode Island. 
I love it. Um, and, and I love the destination and, and the people there. There's a vibe on both campuses that is different and it keeps it fresh. Uh, but both uh, in all campuses, uh, you know, it, the students make it and, and the people make it, the professors, the my colleagues at Sacred Heart, who are some of my best friends. And um, actually, I've got a, a really good friend at UConn and Bill Peterson, who covers the the, uh, the hockey, who covers the hockey team, but was my boss at Sacred Heart and actually uh, hired me at Sacred Heart back when when I was uh, in sports information to start there. So both places mean a lot. And, and so that's, you know, it's never like, oh, I'm so busy. I can't believe I got to go to Sacred Heart today. Oh, man, I wish I didn't have to go to UConn. No, it's it's always I'm excited to be there. And, and I, I never take for granted driving on to either campus how lucky I am to, to be associated with, with those places. Yeah, and in a sense, you're a multi-sport athlete in the broadcast uh, in the broadcast booth as you do all of those sports. What's it like transitioning from baseball to basketball or football to all these other sports that you do, and what preparation goes into that? Each sport is a different prep, but I thoroughly enjoy the act of prep, and I take a lot of pride in being able to be versatile. Um, and and it, again, it keeps it fresh, like you know, diversity and and. And, and difference is, is the flavor of life. You know, I, I, I am my happiest and I think it's like the coolest when I am going from, I mean, I've had weekends where it was like, I think I had a weekend this year where I had a UConn hockey game on a Friday night, a Sacred Heart football game on a Saturday and men's and women's basketball at Sacred Heart on a Sunday, uh, the, the, the openers. And that was probably my favorite weekend of the year. Um, with football, I think it takes a lot more preparation because there are simply a lot more participants. Those rosters at the FCS level, when I'm doing a Sacred Heart game, are over 100 on both sides. There's guys wearing double numbers. So I have a very intricate um, flipboard that I color code. And I, you know, on, on one side, I get the head coach and the quarterback. And, you know, and a lot of times it's multiple quarterbacks. On the second line, a box for they're these big, huge kind of um, you know flip charts, and the second line will be all the running backs. The third line will be the guys who catch passes, wide receivers, and tight ends. And the bottom right are the are the offensive line and and the specialists. And I get all the possible numbers within that box. I, the most important thing that I teach any young broadcaster uh, is that I, I think it's and something I'm always working on to perfect the the art of prep is being able to get all the information you need easily accessible so you know every game what no matter what sport i do i've got some sort of a broadcast spot spot chart that's in numerical order and color coded where i can then hand write the notes in for basketball i'll update the points per game and rebounds per game and free throw shooting and three point shooting and and then you try to get the information you know if if they're a all NEC selection and all hockey East selection. You get the, the, the awards in there on them. If they have any streaks going, if Yakum Kondalik of sacred of, of UConn has a seven game point streak, you know, I want to make sure that I've got that in there. So when he gets the assist on the first goal, I could say it's now an eight game point streak for Kondalik, um, which is actually true right now, I believe, uh, which is why that was fresh in my mind going into the big weekend against UVM this weekend. So uh, that's, that's what it really comes down to is getting every um, broadcast spot chart in a good numerical order, color coded with uh, room to get 
lots of information and information you may or may not use depending on how the game shakes out, but it's always great to have lots of information there, easily accessible that you can grab right away without taking your eye off the game too far. So you're going to be doing some baseball for Sacred Heart this spring too? Uh, no, I'm not scheduled for any baseball with Sacred Heart. I'm hoping, actually, um, I, I don't know if uh, we'll be covering, you know, last year with UConn baseball, I did a, a handful of games on TV on CW20. I'm, I'm hoping that'll be the case again this year. Uh, love being in the booth with Chris Jones, who, again, is uh, he, he joined me on a couple of Sea Unicorns games this year. He's a wealth of knowledge of college baseball, especially UConn. Um, you know, he's the director of baseball ops, as well as their radio announcer, as well as their sports information contact, as well as plans, the meals and plans, the travel. I mean, he's, he's got a cool job that he loves and nobody knows and loves UConn baseball more. So I'm hoping to, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a friend and I'm, you know, anytime you're in the booth with a friend, it's, it's great. So that's, um, kind of what's on the docket baseball wise this year, um, Sacred Heart does not video stream anymore, nor do they audio stream. So I, I won't be doing any Sacred Heart baseball, but certainly always pull for them and, and wish them the best. And we'll see, you know, you never know what kind of, you know, things here or there might pop up. I don't know if, you know, I, I might be in the booth here and there for Norwich, you know, I hope, or if there's ever, you never know. I mean, maybe I'll end up exactly. somewhere in the FCBL this summer. You never know. That's the, that's the great thing about baseball is that, again, that everyday element. Sometimes someone's got a wedding and I'm around to fill in. Uh, like you said, a Brock Holt, baby. Put me in. I'm yes, ready sir. to go. I'll be ready to go. Bring Brock to Boston. Brock <laughs> star. Okay. Um, this is a little outdated, but they could have used you for a couple Super Bowl ads because we saw you start in some Norwich Sea Unicorns ads on the Nesson site was there anything crazy creative we came up with that did not make the cut for the Nesson ads last year <laughs> yeah uh, a lot of uh post game uh after after the game <laughs> talk that uh made the editing edit, editing room floor um no i mean you know we, we the the days are long but they also in many ways are short it's like all of a sudden you're like oh man where did the where did the, the day go? It's almost game time. So you're just trying to pump. Not that you're just trying to get content out there just to get it out there. Like it needs to be good and there needs to be a vetting process. But for the most part, I mean, you got to be efficient with, with getting the tasks of the day done. So yeah, a couple of those fireworks shows. And I, you know, I do have a, you know, a, an appreciation and like of video editing. I've done some video editing uh, freelancing for the Connecticut High School Coaches Association recently, I got to uh, produce their their Hall of Fame induction, which was really cool. Going to you know nine different towns and and interviewing nine different you know Hall of Fame high school coaches and hearing their story and 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 putting those videos together. So um, for the most part, I, I think I got a workflow down for video editing, and it's like let's go. <laughs> No, oh, yeah. not enough time for dilly dally to, exactly. to get it out because you got to get it out. I always know? need like a big monitor up. I need the, I get two. I'm, I'm still getting used to it. <laughs> There's only one way to get better, and that's just keep doing it. Yep, exactly. You know, have fun with it, do it, take chances. Um, you know, you can always edit later and, and you can always delete things, but 
you know, I, I think that taking chances and, and being outside the box is what makes things be remembered. Right. And sometimes you'll miss, but swing, take a swing, you know, cause you know, when you do connect and it really hits it's something to be proud of. Before we return to our interview with Randy Brochu, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian Bat Company. Rob Zorian started the company Zorian Bat Company in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continuing to manufacture the highest grade wood bats for Little League all the way up to the Major Leagues. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian Bats, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond. And after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. To find out more information about Zorian, go to ZorianBats.com. That's Z-O-R-I-A-N Bats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Randy Brochu. All right, it's time for a little FCBL Back to the Futures quiz. This might be the first of its kind. We may have done this last summer a couple times, but three questions. You know, I don't think you'll get enough. I think you'll I think you'll get at least two of them right. I think you okay. should go three for three. First All question. Right. I'm college ready. Ba- college baseball is A, a fall sport, B, a winter sport, or C, a spring sport. College baseball is <laughs> It is, I mean, can I, it's a spring sport, of course, but it really is like all know. of the above, you I know? I think I'm uh, giving you B for the, B winter sport for the answer there. It's, uh... <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, they're playing ball right now in winter. So I was, I was going to say all of the above, like technically. Yep. All the above is a good one. Spring D, sport, but I'm going to go with I'll all of the above. One. Yeah, I played, I played a game in the snow last night for, uh, for Emerson and up in Massachusetts. Uh, it's crazy oh just gosh. watching. We have we have ESPN Plus. You know, has a bunch of. It's college baseball is in a great place right now, and and uh, you can see everyone's breath on half the games, which is funny. <laughs> it's like football. All right, we got a second here or a second question here on the quiz. The one of these mascots you call lives in water. Which one is it? It's is it A the pioneer, B the tiger, C the husky, or D the sea unicorn? Well, the sea unicorn, I mean, is a mythical creature technically, but, uh, you know, in mythology, it does live in the sea. And if we are talking about uh, narwhals, which actually are not mythical creatures, but the, the, the sea unicorn is the nickname of the narwhal. They do, uh, they are aquatic and uh, they do live in the sea. So I'm going to go with the sea unicorn. That is correct. I believe in sea unicorns. <laughs> I uh, said that every air on the night when we were hitting to the bottom of the ninth trailing. I believe in sea unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Final question. MLB is currently A in spring training or B in the conference room? <sighs> Do I have to answer this one? Yeah, unfortunately, B. Yeah, it's just an unfortunate reality of where Major League Baseball is at right now. And we're going to get a little more cheerful than that, though. First, kind of, we're going like general questions here before we hit quick hits. The first one, who did you grow up wanting to be like as a broadcaster? Sean McDonough, my number one favorite broadcaster and who I, I think just rises to the moment every time and who I think is just the perfect play-by-play announcer. Uh, the way he interacts with his broadcast partner, I mean, you know, 
RIP to, you know, a guy we all love in, in New England, Jerry Remy. But, and we remember Don and Jerry, who, and I, I think the world of Don Orsillo as well, but it really was Sean McDonough and Jerry Remy when they were first put together on, on TV 38, where you really saw Jerry's personality come out. And I, I credit Sean McDonough a lot with uh, kind of bringing the Rem dog out and, and, and bringing the best out of Jerry, while also just nailing the call on every big moment. He makes the blowouts, you know, enjoyable. He speaks his mind, um, and I, I, I just think he's great on every sport he does. I mean, I've got great memories of him and Jay Billis and Bill Rafferty on big Mondays, a lot of great UConn games through the year with them on the call. Does a fantastic job on college football. He's doing the NHL now. So I, I love his versatility. Um, and then as, 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 a, as a New Englander, as, as a, a, a lover of the radio, there's nobody who paints the picture better than Joe Castiglione. I mean, he, it's just... And now that Joe and Sean team up on about 25 broadcasts a year, that is, I will definitely listen to the radio rather than watching on TV because they are radio gold. So they're two, uh, two people I admire greatly and, and have since I was a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Appointment radio there. I don't know if I've said that before, but um, it, it, it is, it's uh, those are definitely notable games when, when they're on the call. Uh, was it always play-by-play you wanted to do, or was it, you know, sports talk or, you know, the studio stuff, or did, did you just want to be in it, or was play-by-play the goal? It was it was always play-by-play, um, and and I go back to being 11 years old and 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 and, and knowing that I wanted to work in sports, and I, you know, I I I, I suppose back then maybe you know I I thought about sports writing. Um, reporting but there's something about play-by-play that is such a i don't know it's it, it it it's a it's an experience it's a shared experience you know it's not there are those who just you know my, my least favorite play-by-play announcers are people who just like to hear themselves talk and it's not conversational jody ambrosio who is the longtime great voice of uconn Huskies basketball and football uh, told me recently when he went into the Connecticut sports uh, high school hall of fame that I produced a video on one really important piece of information advice he got from the great Marty Glickman is to always imagine you're announcing to one person that you are, are just having a conversation. That was a great reminder, even, you know, uh, many years into this now, uh, very recently, and and that's something I've kind of brought to the air with me recently, is is to keep in mind that if you just imagine you're broadcasting to one person, you're going to make it a special, a more special experience for them. Um, and I love that about play by play. So it, it was very early on where that really became the goal to um, to, to to be a play by play announcer where you can, you know, make 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 the game feel special for people. Yeah, you've certainly done that in many aspects of your broadcasting career. And looking into the future a bit, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> uh, we're always looking at, uh, you know, that, that I've, I've, I don't want to duck it because I'm very happy at UConn and at Sacred Heart. And uh, as I've said, I've, I absolutely love um, working with the people I work with there and doing those games. But, you know, I think part of it depends also on where this industry is going. There's a lot more streaming capabilities. There's a lot more need. Um, you know, when I first got into this profession, it was, 
you know, we were still doing games on AM radio and traveling with the teams. And now there's so many more streaming capabilities. I, I believe there's more of a need. So, you know, I, I, in five years, if I'm still doing games at, at UConn at Sacred Heart, I'll certainly be happy because both places mean a lot to me, but who knows, you know, where, I mean, I would love, of course, to uh, land bigger games and, re and really do this as a career and, 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 and get with any of the networks to cover big time college athletics. Of course, you know, you want to get as high and as far as you can in this profession. Um, you know, the competitor in you wants to keep climbing. So in five years, if, if I keep working on this craft and I catch some breaks, I, I hope it's, 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 uh, it's somewhere, somewhere great. Yeah, and we can't wait to see what becomes of you. We assume awesome things, great things, of course. And we now move on to our final segment on Back to the Futures. It's called Quick Hits. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field hat of the Futures League. Zephyr, high-quality, innovative design since 1993. So, Randy, we got a couple more questions for our audience to get to know you better. Is that cool? Of course. Let's go. Uh, let's roll. What is your favorite booth that you've called the game in? I love Yakima County Stadiums, uh, where, where I, where man, uh, in Yakima, Washington, when I was doing the Yakima Bears, you should see the sunset that went down over the rolling brown hills of Central Washington. Stunning, just, and it was it a great booth? No, but man, it gave, like every night I was on the air and I saw that sunset over center field and, you know, and, and turn into a Pacific West Coast night uh that immediately stands out to me and i think i said to you off the air also I, I love doing the games at the xl center the yukon games because it's not really a booth it's in the stands and there is nowhere i've done a game where i feel the energy of the fans where i was a fan where i grew up falling in love with the game as a fan of the hartford whalers there's no place um that kind of gets me going a little bit more i think than than doing the game center ice at the xl center and do you have a least favorite booth <laughs> yes i do and the place doesn't exist anymore thank goodness the john a ryan skating arena in watertown massachusetts when i was doing uh sacred heart versus bentley we always got kicked off the air we, we used the phone line to like actually connect to the radio station it was always technical problems you, uh, you were ducking pucks you could not see the the numbers uh, it was, uh, and, and the coffee was not good. And I really, you know, at, at that point in my career, I, I really judged <laughs> an arena <laughs> by the quality of the snack bar. And it wasn't good. Sorry, jar, the jar. You guys ever been to the jar? A couple of, uh, you're up in that, up by that way. Yeah, I've, I've had some uh, high school games in Watertown, but I don't, it, it was, uh, it must have been the new rink. Yeah, well, the that new rink looks beautiful. I haven't been there oh, yet. Wait, Good for Bentley, which is... I forget which one I played at. The Jaw, kid! We're live from the Jaw tonight. <laughs> and then you've been on many road trips with many different teams. What was your favorite road trip that you ever went on? <laughs> uh, Vegas. <laughs> went, to, went to Vegas a couple of times with Sacred Heart. No, and and this one was a really cool one. We went to Cancun for um, you know one of those those college basketball uh, Thanksgiving weekend tournaments, and uh, Rutgers was there, Illinois was there. I mean, how great was that? That was I mean, it was paid like, and it was all inclusive. That was a good time. 
It was a good time. Sacred Heart got a couple wins in that one too, but doing men's basketball, college basketball from, you know, a, a resort in Cancun and, you know, there are like margarita stands in, in the stands. It was, it was, you know, you got done with the game and went right into the pool and, and swam up to the, <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. That was a good trip too. I enjoyed after, that one, but you know what? I, I gotta say, man, like, I, I love, uh, you know, I, I loved all the bus trips in the Northwest League. Again, seeing the Pacific Northwest, um, even those tough bus trips with Sacred Heart Hockey up to Buffalo and Niagara. Um, you have a lot of memories, a lot of good memories from those. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it's all about at that level for the kids, for the, you know, the broadcasters, the media, the coaches. Um, after extensive research during that question, it was the jazz. It was uh, it was the jar that I played at. Yeah. So yes, I've been there. I know exactly what you're talking about. The showers oh, are coming up. Look out! They added this like little like you know the warning track they add at some youth hockey rinks now, which is just kind of odd. Safety, I guess. Yeah. But um, whatever. Yeah, not not the best in the world. Um, what is a sports stadium or sporting event that's on your bucket list as a fan, not as a broadcaster? Ooh, uh, a Montreal Canadiens home game, I think would be, um, the classics, you know, I, I, and, and I'm not a Canadiens fan, but you know, I, I feel like that's like, you know, going to a, a Red Sox game in hockey, um, Lambeau field, I think, you know, is kind of like the Fenway park of football. Um, I'd really like to take a weekend as a Patriots fan and go down to Miami. And, and, and do a, do a Dolphins Patriots games. I've never been to the city of Miami. Um, and, you know, I've been to an ALCS game. I've been to an uh, AFC championship. Sure would love to go to Fenway park for a world series game. Uh, that would be, you know, got to get there first and then you got to get in somehow, but yeah, the world series as a, as, as a baseball fan, of course, would be a, a bucket list and, I've been to some memorable playoff games at Fenway Park, but the World Series is the pinnacle. Yeah, there's nothing like a little fall ball in the postseason. What about a bucket list game to call? Any major league game, whether it's as a fill-in or a, a call-up or you make it. I mean, you know, I've always dreamed of doing a, an NHL or a major league baseball game, an NFL game or you know, an NBA game as well. Um you know, this year I got a bit of a bucket list um, in, in, in that we did a video stream. It was it was of an exhibition, but I got to call a UConn women's basketball game at Gamble Pavilion. So that that was one of those moments where I was like, wow, like this is really cool. I'm sitting courtside. I'm looking across at Gino Oriano and Paige Beckers and, and all the many the, the, the many memorable games that have happened in that historic venue here in my home state at Gamble Pavilion resonated and you know of course you think about the future and you think about wow what would it be like to do a game at Fenway or or at Yankee Stadium or any major league ballpark or or any NHL arena so that first one that's that's the bucket list and I, I certainly hope it happens someday it may or may not but that's the ultimate bucket list all right, last question. It's a two-part question. What is your all-time baseball memory as a player and as a broadcaster in the booth? As a player? Oh, man. Bringing me back to the the uh, the high school days. 
Well, as a broadcaster, let, let me think of that's a little bit more fresh in the memory. As as a broadcaster, I called uh, a game once where uh, th this one is just the crazy. This jumps out to me as like the craziest swings of emotion. It was for the Yakima Bears. They were about to have a perfect game thrown against them. The game was going to be over in like an hour and a half. It was a combined perfect game. Uh, they were down to their final strike, three-two pitch, losing, of course, and one strike away from having a perfect game thrown against them. Ball four outside to David Bordis, as I recall right, it was the little second baseman or shortstop for the Bears. Now you've got the tying run on first. It was a one-nothing game, and the second pitcher of the night, I can't remember. I think it was the Boise Hawks against the Akron Bears gets to two strikes, and now they're about to throw the no-hitter, and David Cooper who's hitting about a buck 50 at the time, a little light hitting left-handed middle infielder from Canada yanks a one, two pitch down the right field line into the corner game tying triple in the matter of two pitches. There goes your, or a matter of like three pitches. There goes your perfect game. There goes your no hitter. There goes your lead. We got a tie game. He's standing on third and the next pitch, Ariel Urena with the other team stunned, Bunts down the third baseline for a game-winning walk-off bunt base hit. So in the matter of five pitches, you went from about to have a perfect game thrown against you to breaking up the perfect game, breaking up the no-hitter, breaking up the lead, winning the game, stunning them in a walk-off. That one will always resonate to me as like a, wow, boy, can this game change in a, in a, in a, in a hurry. As a player, oh, man. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm stumped, you know, maybe like a three for three night and a diving catch in a high school game against Maloney. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I remember that one. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta remember your busy, biggest successes as a player for sure. I remember my last one, my last, my last one, of course, you, you never forget your last one. And, it was a state playoff game, and I, I did have a go-ahead base hit in the sixth, but ultimately we got walked off and lost, and, you know, that feeling of, like, wow, it's over. I'm never going to play high school baseball competitively again. You know, a lot of my high school teammates are still my best friends, at, you know, now in our, our early 40s. But, you know, that one, that one, you know, that's the one I remember the most, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, but you've made your baseball career look like uh, look like nothing with your broadcast resume. So that's you've definitely <laughs> developed since then. And thank you so much again for joining us today. This has been great. Best of luck with everything, and we can't wait to follow you all off season and into the FCBL summer with wherever you end up. And thank you guys for having me. Uh, it's been a blast. It's great to see you, and I'm looking forward to seeing you around the FCBL this year as well, um, wherever our paths may cross. Absolutely. Everybody go check out Randy on Twitter. He's tagged in the tweet here for this episode that you probably found it in. And uh, what we got the hockey East tournament coming up and the Atlantic tournament coming up. Yeah. Uh, this weekend, big games for the ice bus. UConn hosts UVM, the university of Vermont on uh, Friday night at seven Saturday. It's at three Saturday's game is going to be on CW 20 in Connecticut and UConn's trying to get a top four spots. So they can get a home playoff game the following weekend top four in hockey's get the quarterfinals say your hearts on the road is the five and you know hopefully they make a great run too as they try to get to elmira new york in the atlantic hockey playoffs semifinals we'll see you there we'll see you on their screens there all right thanks guys really appreciate it and 
had a blast. It's great to see you. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. You too. And this has been episode six of season four of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon. Thank you.